In religion, society, or politics, there is nothing in the entire world growing faster than Pentecostalism. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about it. So yesterday, we were talking about the growth of Pentecostalism, and we interviewed uh, Pastor Ryan Wardwell uh, concerning the uh, phenomenal growth of his church in Carmel, Indiana, the church he pastors, and the uh, tremendous things that are taking place. We talked about uh, that in the last 21 days, 95 people have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost right here at home at the Rock Church, and uh, a number of people have been baptized. So what about this on a broader scale? Is this, a, is this an anomaly that's taking place that a few churches are growing and others are not? Or what is the real story on Pentecostalism? Well, the real story is, is that Pentecostalism is presently sweeping the world. There is nothing anywhere Christian or otherwise, religious, secular, or sociological, that is experiencing anything near the global growth of Pentecostalism. There is a mix of Pentecostals and what some people would call charismatics and evangelicals, people who receive the, the, the Holy Spirit um, and would acknowledge that that comes with speaking in other tongues. There is about 707 million at last count of this particular research group uh, who are now increasing by 8% a year. These are just Pentecostal, almost all Pentecostal people uh, across the world. World population rates are, are growing at 1.2% a year. That's the world population. But Pentecostalism is calculated as growing right at 7.8%, right at 8% per year. Uh, just for comparison's sake, Buddhism is growing about uh, 0.09%, less than 1% a year. Hinduism, 1.1%. Islam, 1.8%. When you look at all of this and you see what is going on, you recognize that there is truly the size of a phenomenon that is great and can be pointed out by the current growth rate. If you think of this, there would be uh, uh, more Pentecostals growing at a faster rate by far than any sociological thing that is going on. So, uh, so what about this? You don't hear much about it. You don't hear the, it's not in the headlines of any newspapers, but it is a Pentecostal phenomenon. And by Pentecostal here, when we're using it in the context of this discussion today, we're talking about people who have repented of their sins and, uh, and uh, upon the Holy Spirit uh, coming upon them or falling upon them, evidenced generally by personal transformation and specifically by speaking in tongues, um, in the apostles' words, as it fell on us at the beginning, this, this phenomenon is happening around the world. The rate of growth mentioned above continues unabated um, 
in approximately 100 years. In 100 years, think about this, some 10% of the entire presently living population of the world has become not simply Christian, but to one degree or another, Pentecostal. Literally, when continents are becoming primarily Pentecostal, you know that something is happening. So when we talk about Pentecostal, uh, like we're talking about now, we are not signifying a denomination. There are, there are uh, church organizations that are called Pentecostal, but we're not just talking about a denomination. We're talking about a Christianity which finds its dynamic self-identity and empowerment in spirit infilling. The title Pentecostal is uh, actually a derivative of the fact that this initially occurred on what is called the Day of Pentecost, a Jewish feast, in 33 AD. And it was during that feast that was identified as a feast of Pentecost that this took place. Uh, Pentecostals believe that this can be an experience for anybody, that anybody can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the reason that they believe that is because the Apostle Peter, on the day of Pentecost, which is the day of the birthday of the Christian church, which is the day that Peter preached, the only man in the history of the world that has been given the keys to the kingdom, on that day when he preached, he said, for the promise, Acts 2.39, is unto you and to your children and to all those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, the account is, is, is found in Acts chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4. Um, and this is where the Holy Ghost fell upon those initial believers. They also, when they received this Holy Ghost, it was the established because it was the foundation. The Bible says we are established upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. And so uh, this, is, this was the norm of the New Testament church, that people were spirit-filled, that people received the Holy Spirit, that people spoke in other tongues. And it was and is intended for each and every individual by the words of Peter himself. Now, I know today we're not here to just get in an argument with people, but if someone, I know today there are people that are denying that you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the flying in the face of uh, between 550 and 700 million people that attest that they've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, and it was not of the devil, and it certainly was not of the flesh, and it wasn't just people that are caught up in an emotional frenzy. All of that is talked about by people in the main, in the great majority, who have never received the Holy Spirit themselves as spoken of in the book of Acts. So I certainly would not consider such a person to be... Um, uh, a person of highest ability to speak about this. If you haven't ever received it, it's no wonder that you would think that you couldn't or that you didn't or that what everybody else got was wrong. But if one person is saying, I don't believe you can receive it and 700 million have received it, uh, that's pretty overwhelming. So um, one of the reasons that we're talking about this is because the sheer size and scope of this renewal uh, means that we need to talk about it, and it needs a robust um, theological presentation. 
and we need to know from Scripture exactly what this is and why we have received it. Now, most most everybody agrees that the Bible, the Bible's view of the Christian church is the is the view that every church should aspire to. We, if, if we can attain to be what the original church was, it is the model. It was like um, it was like Adam when it, so to speak, climbed out of the dirt. It was in its most pristine form. It didn't have to grow up. That wasn't a child version of the church found in the New Testament. That was the grown-up version and and the the model version, the the version that gives us the ideal that God expected in the church. And so this sweeping revival um, is occurring because there is a deep hunger for spiritual fulfillment and wholeness in the world. Being spirit-filled connects uh, a person both vertically and horizontally in a way that nothing else can, and thereby it uniquely creates an acute awareness of belonging and so that is one of the things that sociologists would say that are that would discount the spiritual aspect of the Holy Spirit in filling a person. They would say, well, it gives people a sense of belonging to, to, to group, and we all, of course, want to belong. Well, it does give us that, but it gives us that on a level that is much more acute than what one might think just as a group of people getting together. This divine spirit abides within and bonds with the individual in a manner that is unfound anywhere else. With, with uh, And it brings a, a, a liberation, a mental and emotional and physical and sociological liberation, a spiritual liberation from the bondage and the power of sin to pull a person down. And this infilling is a unique and distinct gift from God. Now, this infilling also provides a universal connectivity that is beyond uh, our immediate locale, even beyond global to universal, uh, which is otherwise impossible because this is a spiritual experience that brings people, according to the book of Hebrews, into uh, a company, an innumerable company of angels. And it brings us to the spirits of just men made perfect. And it brings us into a place uh, with a cloud of witnesses. And, and these are things otherwise impossible. Now, to the mind that has never been there, there's a wall that says, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. But to those who go there in the Holy Spirit, they are not less balanced by a million times over. They are not less intelligent. They are not less... Uh, whole than is someone who looks objectively at the Holy Ghost's baptism and does not understand it. And so the result of all this is that in spite of a century of uh, stigmatization uh, from the secular world and from old-line Christian denominations and even uh, evangelicals, uh, in spite of all that, Pentecostalism continues to race forward until the sheer weight of its evidence of sustainability 
and its power for individual transformation has transitioned the movement from what we would call pilloried child to authority church voice in matters of dynamic Christianity and mission. Now, embedded deeply in the 500-year history of the Reformation and Restoration movements of Protestantism is the idea that the church today should be, in dynamics and doctrine, as we mentioned, the same as, or that is, not less than, that which had the name and was filled with the nature of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. It ought to correspond in name in every respect uh, and in every idea to the real New Testament church. After all, the New Testament is not intended to be anything less, as we said, than a model. So where can such a model be found? To the degree that the present church uh, attains this lofty goal, to that degree it is the authentic Christian church. It is the authentic apostolic church. And so from its earliest days, the Reformation moved forward with efforts to discern and embrace this return. History reveals that the road has not been easy. And we're not going to give an entire history lesson here, but each occasion in which new understanding of old truths emerged, the reigning paradigm of that particular time became challenged. And in virtually every case, there were those who steadfastly refused refused to move forward from the established paradigm or way of thinking to embrace further truth. So you've got all these denominations who have stopped at particular revelations. And this is because the foundations from which specific uh, denominations were formed became calcified, and the idea was presented that there is no further revelation now. So uh, when you think about a denomination, a denomination is a group which recovered a biblical truth uh, originally, and binded together and embraced it wholly. However, in doing so, the unspoken assumption was often that their particular revelation was the final step in the whole milieu of revelation that God gave uh, beginning more or less in the 13-1400s and then it erupted and came out in the 1500s and then we've got Martha and Luke, Martha, Martin Luther's famous statement, uh, the just shall live by faith. In this, Um, This restoration was a seeking not simply to go forward, but it was a, 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 what would you call it? I guess an attempt to go back and pick up out of the original church that not just to replicate, not just to mimic them, but to get what they had and to, and to live it out in actual life in their day. And so, Getting this from the Christian church, its original dynamics, its original doctrine um, was the goal. Well, so people received part of that, but when they received part of that, they, they locked into that particular insight. Then they began to look with suspicion and criticism on those who continued to further, uh, go further in the pursuit of complete restoration of both the dynamics and doctrine of the first church. So others, however, knew and understood that they saw more 
They, they understood there's more here. And they continued to pursue God and truth. And thus the Reformation moves inexorably forward as group after group generally embraced what was previously discovered and then built up on that with further revelation and understanding. Well, our time's up, but we're going to continue this tomorrow. Be with me tomorrow. All things apostolic. Thank you for being with us.